0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, one and all, welcome back to another episode of the FPL RTG. Uh, I'm your host, Sambo welcome in uh, to those of you who are watching the live recording on twitch.tv slash Futsambo, and, and to those of you who are listening back on Spotify or other podcast platforms, um, thanks for tuning in and thanks for coming back to what is now episode 7. I never thought this would get to episode 7, but uh, we're just going to keep rolling with it week on week now and see how far down the line we can get. Uh, I'm joined today by the uh, resident assistant manager, and uh, he's now part of the furniture, Mr. C.H. Marsh. Charlie, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, not bad for furniture. What, what kind of, would we say, like, what am I, a sofa? I think i a... more of
0: an antique coffee table myself. I okay,
1: I like it, vintage, right. yeah, yeah, sort of, a yeah. bit, bit chic, yeah, I'll take that.
0: Yeah, I think that's all right. And uh, unfortunately, not maybe not quite as antique, maybe we've got, uh, maybe we've got the... <laughs> The Lidl, well, not the Lidl, the uh, IKEA chair in Pritchard. Welcome in. Pritchard Plays, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> back,
0: We've re-signed him on a temporary one-week loan um, to share his thoughts uh, on what has been going on in the world of football this week. Uh, Pritchard, thank you very much for giving up your time and uh, for joining the pod this evening.
2: Thank you for having me. It's good Hot to time. be back.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you back, mate. How have you been?
2: I've been well, yeah. I've been enjoying the premier league yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very good thanks
0: okay good stuff good stuff um just remind us where we can uh remind us where we can find you outside of the pod pritchard
2: okay so i stream on twitch at pritchard plays bit of fifa a rarity for f1 nowadays but it's gonna have to be coming back for monday and on twitter pritchard plays as
1: well okay. so that's where you find me
0: sweet And uh, Charlie, where can we find you outside of the podcast, mate?
1: Uh, Yep, so I'm chmarsh26 on Twitter and same on Twitch as well.
0: Fine. Thank you very much. Pritchard, the last time you were on, I asked you to uh, let us know which manager in real-world football you resembled. Uh, I can't quite remember your answer. Um, Can you remember your answer?
2: I can. My answer back then was Claudio Ranieri because I knew that I was inconsistent from season to season and I'm a... A big fan of pizza, that's why I said back then. I'm not sure whether that's still the case or not. I think I'll stick with it. Claudio Ranieri, sticking he's with Claudio. I was top going top. to give you an
0: opportunity to change there, but I mean, yeah. yeah, if you want to stick with Claudio, I'll let you stick with the old uh, Tinkerman. <laughs> um, cool, right? No worries, mate. Uh, in which case, we're going to get the introductories and the niceries over a little bit earlier this week because obviously we've had you on before, and we're going to jump straight into our IRL. Um, in real life football section of the podcast now last week we talked about a very hotly uh, contested Merseyside derby um, between the red and the blue half um, Liverpool Everton finished 2-2 VAR won the game um, there was no one that could break the deadlock well Sadio Mane uh, did was adjudged to be offside in his move that did break the deadlock um, we all came to the conclusion we thought it was offside, but more that we had a, that we thought was onside. Sorry, more that we uh, had issue with the way VAR was being implemented consistently across the Premier League. And unfortunately, yesterday evening uh, in the game at Anfield, uh, there was another another very dubious decision um, regarding Fabinho, and uh, once again the VAR of which uh, VAR won Liverpool nil. From the Merseyside Derby, it was VAR 2 Liverpool nil after yesterday. Fabinho appeared, from my point of view, to uh, to get the ball in a tackle outside the penalty area. And VAR ruled a penalty was uh, to be awarded as a result of this tackle. I'm just going to start off really, Pritchard, coming to you first, what your thoughts were on the instant? Because I know as a Liverpool fan, you were probably watching the game. Um, yeah. What did you think when you saw it live? Because my first reaction was that it was that it was just a good tackle. I wasn't expecting anything to come of it. Um, I don't know what your reaction was uh, when you saw it. Locked. Yeah.
2: Yeah, originally, originally when even Atkinson gave a free kick, I was like, that's not even a foul. How are you giving a free kick right on the edge of the box for that? Then I saw VAR looking. And I was like, oh, no, they, it's, it's not this again, surely. And uh, I, I agree with you. I didn't think it was a foul, and I didn't think it was in the box. So uh, I wasn't particularly pleased, and I was I think I was almost more annoyed afterwards, finding out that VAR didn't look whether it was a foul. They just looked whether it was in or out of the box. Yeah. That I feel like, if it's a penalty, surely they've got to be looking whether it was a foul or not. But oh, it's, I, I, it's a I bit of a. Uh,
0: I think, yeah, you've literally just taken the next question off my sheet. So thanks. Uh, oh no. Um, <laughs> just to, come to you, Charlie, and say uh, it appears on reflection. Well, this is unconfirmed. This is not confirmed by the Premier League or by the officiating team last night that VAR took a look at whether the incident occurred inside or outside the box, meaning that the referee was certain that a foul had taken place. I'm not an absolute master or expert on the laws of football or the laws of VAR, but as Pritchard just said, it would appear to me that if a penalty has been given, you'd probably be checking for the foul as well, do you not think?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I I think... I would love to to sit here as the only non-Liverpool fan currently on the pod uh, to to say you're both being biased, but I completely agree. I don't think it was a foul at all. As to whether it was in the box, I think it was such a fine line. I am i don't think I could say myself one way or the other, but yeah. certainly I didn't think it was a foul. Um, and then particularly when you, what, maybe 90 minutes or so after that, there was the, I'm sure we'll get to it later when we talk about that game, but the Man U chelsea game with Harry Maguire on Asla that, that wasn't given and it's just like yeah, I, I don't that that's the problem isn't it it's the inconsistency i think at least if you had some consistency then that would be you you would you feel like that could come like balance itself out but when it's so inconsistent because ultimately it's coming down to individuals deciding one thing compared to another uh, i think i think that's where the issue comes from i think um yeah i i, I just don't i don't really see what this the solution is i, I think they I'm not sure it's been, yeah, like you say, I'm not sure it's been confirmed as to who, as to exactly what they looked at and what, what they didn't. I think if, I think they would have had to have looked at it from the point of view of whether they, seeing this, was always the like clear and obvious error thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. In terms of giving the foul. And nine times out of 10, they don't overturn that decision because he gave the ref, gave the, the foul on the pitch. they they really don't tend to overturn them. So I think that in itself is uh, something that they need to look at in terms of overruling and not being afraid to overrule the on-field ref. Or even like they've suggested that they were going to have a lot more this season of refs going over to the pitch side monitor and and having a look. I think if he checks again, I I don't think he'll give that. Um, So yeah, I I think all in all, just a pretty poor refereeing display as as seems to be pretty common nowadays.
0: Um, I think, uh, you know, took the next point off the sheet there as well. You're both on fire um, uh, with the Maguire as Pellicueta incident. Admittedly, I haven't seen this incident in real time. I have seen a still shot, which uh, could have been uh, from the UFC last night. It's that outrageous. (laughs) Um, It it has to be the inconsistency that's the problem here. Pritchard, what do you think of um, someone earlier on in the chat when we first fired up the stream, suggested you literally appoint an independent body to sit as the var rather than having different premier league referees step in week on week my, my opinion being with var there is no arguing with the technology itself like a techno technology has a capacity and everybody understands what the maximum point of the technology is um, but if you increase the opportunity for the one variable which is human error to be put in by having let's say I run the VAR one week, you run it the next week, Charlie the next week, Venom the next week, you know, we get to the point where we could have four different, slightly different um, opinions on situations, which then, you know, could could mean four different outcomes ultimately. Um, what do you think about just having one one team of maybe three people who sit on every game and, and, just, and just adjudicate like that? What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, I've been begging for this since the start. I also think that... Um, because it's actual referees that are on the VAR, I feel like they protect the on-field referees a bit well. Sometimes a bit, they bit—they don't want to change a decision. It's so like yesterday with the Maguire penalty incident, which should have been a penalty, in my opinion. Like I just—even just—I think they should be encouraged to just look at the monitor more as well. I think that's that—that's such a good bit of technology there that the ref on field can go and have a look look at. I I'm just sure think they- that. Sorry, go ahead. I just think they should be encouraged
1: to go over more by the VAR team. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they said, because that came up so much last season, they were saying, oh, you you know, we, they, they should be checking it. It came out a lot in the media and, and pundits and stuff were criticising them for not doing it when it was being done in Europe. Um, and, and I'm sure they came out and said, like, in the off season, like, we will start doing this more. And I think in the first couple of weeks it happened a few times. Um, But yeah, I, I don't don't know... Why they're not doing it, and and a, a lot of the reasons pundits and stuff give for for saying it is that quite often it can be down to the on field ref sort of judgment of the game and and how it's going. That can sometimes slightly change um, the way you you would you would give a decision, and they they're the one that's got a feel for the game, so they should be checking checking over their own their own game that they're managing. But yeah, it's it's just all and all just a, a silly thing. I guess the only one problem with having one team is if we do return to sort of normality where we've got, you know, three, four or five kickoffs at three o'clock or whatever, then obviously yeah. you start getting a problem with multiple games going on. Um, so I don't know what the solution is for that. But yeah, it's um, definitely, it's the it's the subjectivity of it all that makes it difficult to have any consistency week to week.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Right, moving on from VAR. Let's move on to some, uh, some let's recognise some teams and some outstanding performances so far this weekend. Uh, We're going to start with uh, Aston Villa Leeds on Friday night. Um, I actually forecasted an Aston Villa win in this. I thought with Calvin Phillips being out for a while, Villa being in decent nick. I know they did suffer a 1-0 defeat the week before, um, but they're by no means out of form. Um, And Leeds just just looked to me on paper like one of those games where Leeds might just slip a little bit. They did completely the opposite. They stormed away with a 3-0 victory and a hat-trick for Patrick Bamford um of uh, of all people a lot of people have been saying that Bamford wasn't good enough for the Premier League Bamford appears to be proving everybody wrong um Pritchard Patrick Bamford for you uh simple question yes or no are you are you a fan if so what do you uh you know do you make of of his chances of maybe even pushing for a spot in the England squad Yeah well it's
2: just the starts of the season that he's had, he, he seems to be have been like knocking around for a long time. I remember him; he seems to have always been a championship level player. But the starts of the season he's made so far, with lots of players getting England call ups recently, I, I think he deserves. A, I think he deserves a shout. I mean, England have got a lot of strikers. Don't get me wrong; that's a position where I feel he won't get anywhere near for like the big tournaments, but. I think he deserves a shot in the Nations League or something like that because his form has been so good this year, I think, yeah. So he'll be fully deserved. OK,
0: cool. Um, other than that, uh, Charlie, any Leeds players that have particularly impressed you this year so far?
1: Um, I think you've got to have a shout for some of the defenders, both Dallas and Ayling On normally on either side, uh, left and the right backs, uh, have, have been really sort of progressive and, and advanced, t- taking quite a few shots as well, so... They've been quite interesting. And even in this game, um Ailing had to slot into centre back as well. And they had to make, like you said, um, no Calvin Phillips as well. And um the player I can't remember his name, I think it's difficult to pronounce the one that came in for Phillips, then got subbed after about 20 minutes or something, because he had a yellow card and looked like he was going to get a red eventually. Yeah. So you have to say that you've got to, you know, praise uh Bielsa for that as well, some of his manner management. And that's quite a bold decision to take a player off after only 20 minutes, yeah. which and it wasn't to see with injuries as well, it was completely tactical. Um, and yeah, I think ultimately Bamford is the one. Really, I think with the way that this season's going in terms of defenses and how poor they've been just in the whole league, mm. any player that's on form and, and got lots of confidence behind them, they'll fancy themselves against anyone really, because there's always goals up for, for grabs against any team. And if you're if you're high on confidence, then you're going to go into a game feeling like you can grab a goal at least.
0: Cool, and then uh, yesterday at uh, the London Stadium, West Ham, who I tipped pre-season to uh, face the drop, um, managed to hold Manchester City. Uh, stunning overhead kick from uh, Michael Antonio, and uh, City overall. I watched the game. I thought City dominated the game in large aspects of it, um, but just you know ha- had a few chances where you fancy them to score, and they just couldn't score. So, uh, you know, I think Sterling in particular late on, mares had one where he was through one-on-one a bit late on, met, uh, albeit a little bit scrappy um, in places. Um, what do you think of City so far this season, Pritchard?
2: I'm shocked, to be honest. I mean, I, I really... Foden, I think Foden put out a tweet after they beat Liverpool 4-0 and it, it felt that way at the time, that City were like angry that they've lost that they, they lost a the league that year and I, I thought they are going to come back really strong this, this year and I do did, I did remember on the first podcast I did say City would win it but um, they, they, they just haven't looked the same team this year I don't know they've spent money in defence with Ruben Diaz and they they just still look shaky they're, they're, they're controlling the games but it's not the City that we're used to we used to if City are 1-0 we just it's like we know that the City are going to break through they're going to get the goal they need Kevin De Bruyne a bit of brilliance but like, I wasn't even over the moon that they drew yesterday. It's becoming a bit, bit normal, really. That City are dropping points. It's, I, I don't really know what's going on with them, but it's certainly not going in the right direction for them.
0: Yeah, it certainly doesn't appear to. Um, but as bad, as as poor as City's recent form has been, um, Charlie, take nothing away from West Ham, who were, were pretty good yesterday. I don't know if you saw the game.
1: Yeah, I did, and and like you say, despite the fact that I think. City did dominate a lot of the possession at least especially the first half they didn't do a lot with it and they they just had no real purpose and that allowed West Ham on the break to then create lots of uh, good chances and, and ultimately like you said with, with Antonio's goal just a wonder over a kick that it's becoming something a bit more regular just him I, I, he must have been one of the top scorers since the um, coming back from lockdown last end of last season yeah. he, he's been on such a good vein of form and Particularly with their fixtures going into the beginning of this season, I don't think anyone expects them to be anywhere near where they are. I think maybe one, possibly three points out of these first kind of four, five, six games would have been expected, and they've been been smashing it really. Some of the performances they're putting in, um, they've people like yeah, Masuwaku as well, who Moyes has always really seemed to rate. I seem to remember Moyes coming out and talking his praises in his last stint as manager, and and he seems to be doing really well again th- this time as well. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah, it's it's another one that I've I've been eyeing up for FPL reasons because I was going to wait until after all these fixtures because they they're all really well priced, um. But yeah, they they, they just seem to be doing really good, and and no one can uh, no one can stop them by the looks of it.
0: No, I agree. It doesn't look like it. it. Doesn't look like it. They're putting in some decent performances for sure. Um, and then obviously as we we talked about off off uh, off air before uh, before we started recording, last week you'll remember, uh, anyone who listened back to last week's pod, if you haven't, I do advise you go back to the predictions sections where I was vigorously mocked for correctly forecasting Southampton would end Everton's uh, successful unbeaten start to the season, and they did so in style today at St Mary's, I must say they beat Everton 2-0, Everton having Luca Digne sent off for a pretty grim challenge on Kyle Walker-Peters. Uh, let's start with Everton. Pritchard, it, it's difficult for us to say as, as Liverpool fans. I have to say this every week. <clears throat> Everton have been sensational at the start of this season. Uh, I, I would say uh, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's being too kind. They've been brilliant. Dominic Calvert Lewin's looked like, like an absolute monster. Um, James Rodriguez has, has looked like the absolute uh, orchestrator in the middle of the pitch. De smart signing. Alan smart signing. Richarlison up until the Merseyside Derby looked fantastic. Luca Digne always a threat. Even Pickford seemed to have sorted himself out a little bit before the Merseyside Derby. And then uh, today it's had a bit of a meltdown. Did you watch the game today?
2: I saw bits of it, yeah.
0: Yeah. What did you make of uh, Everton?
2: I think the question always was, we know they've looked very good, the question always was going to be the consistency of whether they can do it week in, week out. And... And whether how much injuries, suspensions, etc., like make an impact. So, and the first game where they're having a big one of their main players out with Richarlison, they just crumble really. And Dinier going to be out for another three games as well if it if it doesn't get overturned. Because I know Antonotti won't
0: get overturned. Let me tell
2: you that. (laughs) Yeah, I know it was really after the game, but I I agree. I thought it was a it was a blatant red. But uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do in the next couple of games as well. Because if Today's anything to go off. I don't know how I get on really.
0: Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, sort of tying in FPL a little bit here, Charlie. There was a lot of talk pre-game that James Rodriguez wasn't going to play. Um, that he picked up an injury. I know it came up with a, a warning flag on a lot of FPL team sheets this week for everyone who had James, In that there was a chance he wasn't going to play today. Were you surprised he started for Everton?
1: Um, not, not really. Like you said, there was a lot of talk about him, him not playing and some of the early sort of rumours, I guess, coming out of the Everton camp that he was, that was where that he wasn't. And then I think the Friday presser possibly, Ancelotti came out and said, oh, well, he's, he's going back into training. So I think it's always important with any, any like FBR related stuff to always be keeping on top of what's being said and what the latest information is. Because, um, yeah, I think the, the latest comments from Ancelotti before the deadline seemed to suggest that he, he was going to try and get him, get him ready and, and playing. So because c- I have Rodriguez, I had considered potentially taking him out, but but that convinced me to just leave him in and, and then yeah. have someone in my bench covering. Um, I think for, from the game point of view, it, it was... Uh, a Great example of what a, a good pressing team can do. Um, Southampton have quite often, particularly Hasnute, as as often had links with um, or been likened to Klopp in terms of some of his tactics, and I think that that showed really well here. They kind of um, suffocated Everton a little bit. I think Rodriguez only had. A, two chances that he created or something like that which was much further down compared to his previous performances mm. and it all showed as well with um calvert lewin who's as we've said many times on the pod now has been been putting in really good performances and on great form he only had two touches in the penalty area which i think just shows how when you take away his service that really pretty much kills him off because he's not one of those that you typically see sort of going on a really long run or, or doing um, something amazing outside the box he's, he's someone that you you need to get chances in inside the box and then he scores them so if you starve the service to him then then that kind of seems to be the his achilles heel to and, and how he stopped Everton really uh, and uh, like you have said I, I think the the way that both the red car for Dina and, and some of these players coming out now it just shows the lack of quality on the bench and the lack of depth really. Yeah. The the starting eleven, if they had them all fit and and no red cards or whatever, is is great now. But the bench options just aren't great, and I think yeah, going forward it's going to be a little bit tough for them to to manage that. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how for a team that have started so well, how how it's going to going to go for them the next yeah. few weeks.
0: Okay, thanks for your thoughts on that. And uh, Pritchard, just finishing on this game. Uh, what well, Southampton this season? Sort of a bit of a mixed bag, but overall in the last couple of weeks, look like they're back on form. Danny Ings back in amongst the action, two assists today, I think. Um, and uh, Che Adams with a goal. I just want to get your thoughts on James Ward-Prowse, really. He got a goal today, one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most underrated and consistent performers in the Premier League week to week. Is there any player from that Southampton team that you would pick out as being, uh, you know, on a... on a on, or Not quite on another level or such, but the real key cog in that... In that team. For me, it's Ward Prowse. I don't know what um, what your thoughts are, whether you've got any other one in the Southampton eleven that you think is particularly important to the way they play.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think Ward Prowse, he's so he's so technically gifted. He's such a, like, he just makes them tick. His set pieces, his leadership. I think him and Ings are the two most important players at, at Southampton Football Club. And I think, yeah, I, I really, really, I agree with you. I think Ward Prowse is possibly the most important player I know Ings gets the goals but I think without War prowse they also lack the the leadership as well as the the quality that he brings so yeah
0: yeah all right cool um Charlie next one for you we've touched on the on the penalty incident so we'll stay clear of that I last week big this up as potentially one of the most exciting games of the game week uh United-Chelsea turned out to be uh, quite the opposite um, what do you think was the reason behind this game being nil-nil? Do you think it was just a lack of quality, or do, do you think there was something to do with? Last week we um, both pointed at Olegan and Solskjaer and Lampard as managers under pressure already, managers that need to start getting results if they're going to keep their jobs for the uh, entirety of the season. Do you think there's an element of um, we they couldn't they felt like they couldn't afford to lose this game, or do you think it was just a lack of quality? Why why do you think? we were sort of starved of any action in, uh, in United Chelsea.
1: Yeah. I, I, th- I think your first point, it it's, it's any, and it seems to happen a lot at any two teams that are in sort of bad, particularly bad defensive form and, and a bit bit struggling in that aspect. They, when they come together, it does happen to usually turn out to be quite a drab match where they're both concentrating and not, or not, um, not losing. and, Ultimately, that that seemed to be the both of their aims. They, they've both got so much talent going forwards, but it's always been the defence that's the problem. Um, Chelsea getting the clean sheet in midweek as well probably probably helped them essentially just realise they can get clean sheets. And and having Mendy back in in goal, I think, is was a huge part of that. He made some pretty good saves in there, which you definitely wouldn't expect Kepa to make. Um, so yeah, I, I think ultimately that's what it was. It's just two teams that are in bad defensive form, just doing their best not to concede. Manu did, I think, make the better or more attacking changes in the second half, at least, trying to push yeah. for the winner. Yeah. Whereas Chelsea just did like like for like swaps, um, but which which then opened up the game a little bit. But yeah, I think neither of them were looking really to to uh, from the from the off to actually go out there and win that. They just wanted to make sure they weren't conceding. Which I, th- I think all in all. That's probably a if, if they can get those sorts of clean sheets, it's maybe not the worst thing in the world. It's, it's obviously not great for viewers. But if they've got the confidence of, of playing another team that's likely to be up there and around them at, at the end of the season to get a clean sheet, I, I think they won't mind that too much, considering they know they can score goals.
0: Okay, cool. Pritchard, uh, last one on uh, real life football from you. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, uh, pretty key cog for uh, Crystal Palace, no?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, he, he's always had the talent. I've just always questioned. I think he's a bit similar to Mesut Ozil in the, in, the, in the sort of sense that he can he can turn up when he wants to, but often he doesn't. And I, I think Zaha this year, I think it's will be one of his better seasons he's had for Palace. I think he'll always look good in the Palace side when he's the he's the star man. He's the, he's the he's their best player, but. In terms of if he's, ever, if he's ever going to get a move to one of the top teams, I, I can't see if it's going to work, to be honest. I, I don't think Zaha would fit in at some of the top six. He's got the quality, but I don't think, I don't think he'd be able, be able to do it consistently, consistently enough to be able to force a move to the
1: top six.
0: I I think Wilfred Zaha was quality yesterday against Fulham. I think uh, Crystal Palace went to sleep for the clean sheet, which is unfortunate. As we're going to touch on in the the next section with the FPL, Um, but yeah, managed to uh, bring Zaha into the dream team just in time uh, for a a goal and assist contribution for Palace. I think uh, this is Zaha's. This is Zaha's season. If he's ever going to get a move away from Palace, it has to be this season that he steps up to prove he's big enough to be able to do it. And uh, you know, he he got his chance at Man United. He seems to be back at Palace, where he's got that his arm around him. He's almost like one of these players that needs to be needs to have that arm around him to make him feel loved, make him feel like he is the most important person in that team. Palace have strengthened around, in and around, and, and added some real quality in some areas as well. Um, so I think this could be Zaha's uh, a big season for Zaha. Palace have got some favourable fixtures, uh, which is our nice transition into the world of fantasy Premier League. Uh, It has been a strange old game week. Uh, We're going to start with how each of us got on. Uh, The uh, game week average as we sit here looking at it right now is 19 points. And uh, I'm currently sat on 35 points. Um, No massive contributors outside of Wilfred Zaha who got me 13 points. Uh, Mitchell was in the defence. He lost a clean sheet at the last minute which is unfortunate. McCarthy with a clean sheet. Everybody else just with two points. Salah captain two points. Had a shame he had his goal ruled out for uh, for offside. We've still got Son and Lampty to play. And I need to make sure both of them do play because Dignier is on the bench for me this week um, with minus two. I, I thought that um, I needed to put my money where my mouth was with uh, with the Southampton selection for the Southampton win and, and put Dignier on the bench. And that's worked out all right. I've got Chilwell on the bench for six, which is a bit of an issue. Um, but other than that it's been an okay week we're doing well against the average not well against the highest points and okay against uh okay against the rest of the league but not sensationally i did wild card this week as well i just felt like there were a lot of players uh, that, that were banging form um Dick nearly being the only everton player to come in was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one really i opted to bring in raheem sterling predominantly as a placeholder for when Kevin De Bruyne I was certain Kevin De Bruyne was going to come back to fitness I didn't know whether he'd quite make the cut against West Ham it looks like he's back to fitness now so he'll probably come in for Raheem Sterling for me next week but um, other than that I don't really see too many other changes um, for, for coming, coming my end in terms of transfers for a couple of weeks at least maybe Mikel Antonio down the line but um, we'll keep an eye on that one and see how it develops Charlie how was your game week?
1: Um, Yeah so. Sort with of, <laughs> Good and bad, I guess. It's, I'm on 43 at the moment, which is okay, as you said, compared to the average, but yeah. my, my issue is that I've got no one playing tomorrow, so I've got no spurs. Um, that could be an issue, particularly against a, a struggling Burnley side. Um, so it, so I'm, I'm sort of all out f- for now, although obviously bonus points coming in. I've got Jimenez and, and Ings, who I'm sure will get some bonus points. Um, but yeah, I, I chose to play chill well, so I've got his six points, and, and Ailing, who I mentioned earlier, who, mm. who's got six well for his clean sheet, um, a bit frustrating with my so my transfer. I don't often do a goalkeeper transfer. In fact, I don't think I've ever done one outside of a World card, But I did uh, McCarthy to Martinez, which right. was more set up as a long term move because I think Aston Villa's defence going forward is going to be a good one, yeah. or at least he'll get lots of uh, plenty of uh, save points. But ultimately, I ended up transferring in a goalkeeper that didn't get a clean sheet and took out a goalkeeper that did. And I've also got Walker-Peters on the bench as well with his five points. I can see you have Walker-Peters
0: on on the bench here, just looking. You're currently 24th in the league, uh, but a few points coming back your way, I think. So we might see you you climb the league table yet, my man. We might see you get up (sighs) amongst there. Uh, I'm currently still fourth at the moment, top three in the league. Uh, Guy Metcalf has overtaken Nikolai... Nikolai Barber, who, uh, excuse the laughter there, I just looked at his points. total; It hasn't quite updated with in line with today. But Nikolai, I mean, there's bravery. There is bravery in FPL. And then there is uh, verging on the insanity in FPL. <laughs> uh, Nikolai this week had a, had a poor game week by his standards. Now, he does have Con, uh, Con <laughs> Kane and Son uh, still to play for Spurs and Neil Mopé. For Brighton against West Brom, so we might we might be the ones caught red faced here if if he's pulled out a blinder. Captaining Trent Alexander Arnold though was probably not Nikolai's finest hour. Um, Charlie, a move that you probably wouldn't have recommended.
1: No, is is I mean, of all the defenders to captain Trent, is probably one of the ones you'd go with. I, I think I seem to remember him last season getting a twenty-four point score possibly in one game week. Um, so, of any defender, I think he might be the one that you're captain. But yeah, generally speaking, don't ever captain defenders because they're less likely to get a, a good high, uh, high points total. Obviously, the clean sheet. And I think we all uh, did we all predict? I don't think we all predicted a clean sheet for Liverpool, but it, it, it looked a bit more likely this week compared to any other so far, I think. Um, but yeah, pr- probably not ideal. And I think he's used so he used his triple captain last week, didn't he, for on Zaha. So um, yeah, quite a few uh, quite a few chips used early, which could come back to uh, hurt him going forward.
0: Correct. As it stands, I am about to regain a podium place in the league. I'm in uh, on course to uh, overnight overtake manoeuvre on uh, on uh, Rob uh, Hills Donator into P3 in the league. But it's all to change possibly. Rob as well has a uh, Sane and Con uh, Sane and Con man Kane and Son. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be uh, this is going to be a feature. This is, I tell you, the the corn Hour or the sane Hour. Uh, no, uh, Kane and Son for uh, for Hills still to play, and Pritchard, you are hanging on in there in the top ten, my man. Um, just about. Just about. How was your game week?
2: <laughs> Hasn't been great. I'm on 25 points currently, which is above the average, but not not too pleased to be honest. I was. This week, thinking of bring, taking f- taking a four point hit to get rid of Decore and bring in Zahar. But I thought Everton were going to win. And I thought Decore is going to play the whole game. So I thought he'd get the three points. I was thinking, will Zahar score? Will he get an assist? I decided not to bring him in. So well, he that got was. Both. A, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm fully aware and I was fuming. <laughs> so yeah, that did go very well. We've got Dinier in there with the minus two. We've still got Son to play.
0: Yeah. We had
2: McCarthy, who got the clean sheet. Yeah. Salah, we had Mane as well, but in yeah, general, with the team, yeah, yeah, hasn't been the finest game week for me.
0: Yeah, fine. Um, and now we have the uh, stats brought to you by uh, CH Marsh, official uh, limited company for last <laughs> week. Uh, captains in the top 10, seven of us, Captain Salah, in the top 10 uh, for this last game week. Two people captained Harry Kane and one man, our man Killian, captaining Trent. Um, League leader Nikolai had Trent captain. Oh, no, sorry, it was Nikolai, not Killian, sorry. Um, He used his uh, free hit, now second place, to Guy Metcalf. Uh, Guy Metcalf, this is an interesting one here, guys, and, and one that you all need to listen out to. Guy Metcalf in game week one had a total of 46 which ranked him approximately 3 millionth in the world. He didn't panic and wildcard like a lot of others. Came back with a game week 2 score of 90, putting him up to around 725,000th in the world. Only one hit taken over the six game weeks and is now ranked inside the top 33,000 players. Patience pays off. Uh, that uh, that That is pretty impressive really when you look there. ...at uh, how he's been getting on. And overall, some good comeback stories in uh, in the league here. We've got Matty Boyd, he's up a few places from last week. Josh Chin with Ice Ice Bergwin is uh, is up there into P9. He's sneaking in. Mark O'Brien with Top of the Clops is uh, pushing on to the top 10. And uh, unfortunately, Cameron Aris with Change Name remains uh, propping up the league down there with 85 points... So far, uh, it does not look like he's going to be pushing for many prizes this year, um, especially with a team selection like the one he has. Uh, he currently has uh, a total of 21 points on the bench this week. Um, so maybe something he needs to have a word with his assistant manager about going into next week. Right. FPL done. Game time. Pritchard. It's yes. opportunity. To win a gifted subscription to those who are watching the live recording of the podcast in the Twitch chat. Are you ready? I am. Right, you are ready. To all of those in the Twitch chat, I'm going to read the uh, I'm going to read the rules of the game. I don't know if you were listening last week, Pritchard, but we did mix up the game a little bit from bigger or smaller purely because I was running out of footballers from the database yeah. to uh, to go for the height comparison, and uh, we did have a VAR uh, <laughs> review on one of them the week before. So I thought we'd just stay clear of all controversy with <laughs> on that one.
1: Have you double checked your facts this time?
0: My facts are 100% totally legitimate, 100% okay. correct, as of. This afternoon. Right, at approximately five o'clock. So if anything's changed in the last three hours, I'd be concerned because some of these players would have had to come out of retirement for their stats to change. Right. Pritchard, if you get an answer correct, you are gonna hear this noise. Let me know if you can hear it. Did you get the did you get the ding?
2: I did not, no.
0: Excellent, that's a good start. That one off then. I'm just going to tell you if you got it correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, Richard, we are going to play. Uh, we're going to test your Liverpool FC strikers knowledge. You are a self, you are goes. a self-confessed hardcore Liverpool fan, and I need to know from you whether the player after the player I give you before scored more or less goals for Liverpool in all competitions okay. than the previous player. Does that make sense?
2: It does, yeah.
0: I'm going to give you the first player and the total number of goals that that player scored and then you're going to need to tell me, I'm going to give you the next name and we need higher or lower. All right? Uh, Yeah. So, for an opportunity to win a gifted subscription for the chat, you need to get all five of these players correct. So, good luck. Thank you. Your base player is Robbie Fowler. With 183 goals for the club. Okay. The next player I need to know is Fernando Torres. Did he score more or less goals than Robbie Fowler?
2: (laughs) (sighs) Fernando Torres. I know Robbie Fowler's had two spells at Liverpool, that's what I'm thinking. But I'm going to go Fernando Torres has scored more goals than Robbie Fowler. <laughs> no, wrong, i the got it wrong, not It's God. It's Robbie Fowler's known as God.
0: No. Uh, that's the X oh, noise. Is. <laughs> that is a big L, that is, mate. <laughs> Straight off All of it, I
1: first heard. My instinct as well. That said is a Fowler. big
0: L. Oh, it's no. A fan. Oh, no. In the mud immediately. Unfortunately, mate, that is the chat's opportunity at a gifted sub. Down the drain, but the game must continue.
1: You, you um, even gave logic as to why your own answer.
0: Yeah, was I know. 100%, <laughs> you were like, the had two thing stops. is,
2: the thing is, this was before my time. That's I mean, I scored Torres, But it's not an excuse. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not, not happy asking
0: you for the number of goals. He's a god.
2: I know. That's what I said after. I knew. A go- <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh dear, yeah. fritch. Okay. All right. So we move <laughs> on. We move on. <laughs> The next player I <laughs> <laughs> the next player I need to know and so we're going to... Fernando Torres scored 81 by the way so just 102 less than Robbie Fowler, not many um, so that's, uh... close. Close, cool close, cool close cool so back going off of uh, Fernando's 81 goals I need to know did Luis Suarez score more or less goals than Fernando Torres more no. more that would be correct. He scored 82 goals. It's time for Liverpool. He's got one more than Torres. (laughs) Uh, So, there are a few banana skins in here, to be fair. But I mean, to fall at the Fowler hurdle, you're better than that, mate. You're better than that. Right. uh, So, banking off Luis Suarez scoring 82 goals, uh, Mo Salah, more or less.
2: More. Recently hit.
0: Correct. He did recently hit 100, and he is on 100. 100 goals for Big Mo. Right, next up, Stevie G. Gerard, more or less than 100.
2: Ooh. Uh, it has to be more, it was there for too long. More.
0: More? Yeah. Correct. 186 goals for Stevie. So, way more than the 100 for Salah. And we're going to finish off with the King, King Kenny. Kenny Dalglish. more or less goals than Steven Gerrard?
1: More, surely.
0: Richard, that is incorrect. Really? That is incorrect. King Kenny bagging 172 goals for Liverpool. Stevie with 186. So, uh, two out of five. Uh, well, he got three out of five correct, um, which I suppose isn't too bad.
2: No, it is too bad. Don't don't sugarcoat this. This is this is oh, poor. Yeah, that was, that
0: was very <laughs> it should
1: wins. be the specialist subject. It's, yeah yeah, didn't go well.
0: It should it should have been the specialist <laughs> subject. That is a good point. That is a good point. Right, we'll move on then. We'll move on to the predictions game. To the predictions game. No gifted stuff for the chat this week. Unlucky guys. Um, right, we're going to kick off uh, with this round of Premier League fixtures coming up next. So. The first game you should have all forecasted for was Wolves v Palace, and we go from there. Um, I'm going to go for... Uh, I'm, I'm going to start again this week. We're going to give you the my guess first, then we'll rotate through as per normal. Short justification on your prediction, if you wouldn't mind, please, fellas. And uh, I'm going to kick off with Wolves Palace, which I have predicted to be a 1-1 draw. Um, I think this will be a good result for Crystal Palace. I think this would be uh, a below-par result for Wolves, but not a bad point, considering Palace are in a decent run of form. Um, I fancy Wilfred Zaha to score again here, I'm not going to lie, and I fancy him Jimenez to score for Wolves, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. I-, I can't see there being loads of goals in these games. Neither side this year has gone and run riot anywhere, other than uh, Palace scoring a few at Old Trafford. But it doesn't seem to be a particularly uncommon occurrence, unless you're Chelsea. Um, other than that, uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident with this prediction. I'm going 1-1. One, one. Charlie, what are we going from you?
1: Uh, I agree on a lot of your logic there. I have gone Wolves to edge at 2-1. I think they, they've been sneaking up the, the wins, the 1-0 wins recently. I think they've just got that a little bit extra quality with some of the players going forwards. Like you said, Zaha, absolutely likely to to score. I think he will, He's, particularly because he tends to play off the left as well, which Semedo, obviously going the other way, will leave lots of gaps in behind. So I, I imagine they, they Cristobalas, will score and it will be Zaha. But yeah, I, I just see um, Jimenez and, and Wolves in that for me. Okay. Pritchard? I've also gone 2-1 to Wolves.
2: I think that um, at home, uh, I think Jimenez scoring today as well for good confidence for him. Banging goal as well, by the way. Yeah, it was. Having not had the best
0: start to the season
2: for his standards, but yeah, I think at home, Wolves Wolves will edge it 2-1. Okay.
0: Interesting. Okay. Uh, Next game is uh, Sheffield United hosting Manchester City. Uh, Charlie, you're up first for this one.
1: So quite, quite controversially, I've gone for Man City to keep a clean sheet. Um, I know that's a bit out there, but so I've gone 2-0 Man City. Okay. Um, my reasoning more is, I, I think we've seen how Sheffield United have struggled to score. Um, but also, where Man City's clean sheets have come from, generally in the last few years, it's been because of how much they dominate possession. I can just see that being the way this game goes, and Man City having basically all the ball. Um and, yeah, they've got enough good players going forward to to get a couple of goals. KDB should be back. He came off the bench this week, so I expect him to probably start. So, yeah, I, I fancy it's fairly easy going, 2-0.
0: OK. Richard?
1: I've gone for Sheffield United 1, Manchester City
2: 2. I think it'll be... Yeah, I think it'll be a really close game. I thought Sheffield United played quite... I don't think Liverpool played brilliantly. I thought he played OK, but I also thought Sheffield United defended really well and especially after their penalty, I thought, with confidence under their belt, they, yeah, they 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 look very good in that first half, especially. So I think it'll be fairly close. So, yeah,
0: 2-1. OK. Uh, I've also gone 2-1 City for similar reasons to what Pritchard said. I fancy Sheffield United to get a goal off the back of getting a goal this week at Anfield. I think it gives them a bit of confidence to get a goal next week, but probably City just have a little bit too much for them. Over 90 minutes, they've probably got a little bit more quality across the pitch. So. 2-1, uh, 2-1 City away win for me there as well. And uh, Pritchard, we're coming to you for Burnley versus Chelsea. What have you gone for here?
2: I've gone for a Burnley nil, Chelsea three, I think. Okay. I think Lampard will be, will be wanting to get some more goals having after their last couple of games. They've defended very well, but um, yeah, I think they'll come out all all guns blazing. I think they'll win 3-0. Okay,
0: uh, I've gone for a 2-0 win pretty much just a little bit downsized. I've gone for the medium meal of where Pritchard's gone for the large meal, I think. Um, <laughs> that's a similar case here. I, f- I think uh, the Chelsea will be under pressure to get a result here. If you, if you, One thing I will say in Burnley's uh, Burnley's defence is that if there's one place in the Premier League you don't want to go when you're under pressure, it's probably Burnley. So, you know, there could be a surprise on the cards here. I just fancy Chelsea overall just have a little bit too much for Burnley and uh, I'll go for a 2-0 win.
1: Uh, Charlie? I've got a statement as Pritchard, so 3-0 Chelsea. I think, I was looking at some of the head-to-heads between these two. It's actually surprisingly high-scoring fixture considering are kind of known for that kind of defensive uh, stoutness. The, uh, last five games, they've averaged four goals a game between them, um, wow. which is quite, yeah, quite a lot more than I was expecting. But I, I think Chelsea did look at a lot better defensively this um, game against Man U with Mendy goal and goal and Thiago Silva as well put in a really good performance following from a few mistakes he's made um, in the games before. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like they can keep the clean sheet and, and like I said, they're going to want to come back with the bang with starting getting some goals in again. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they've got enough attacking talent to, to get at least two, maybe three. So I've gone three now.
0: Okay, cool. Um, back at Anfield, Liverpool hosting West Ham fresh off their point against Man City. I've gone for a two-one Liverpool win here. Um, in similar, I, I expect this game to play out very similarly as the uh, Sheffield United game played out. Wouldn't surprise me if West Ham nicked an early goal. Wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool went one 0 up, got, got pegged back. I still think there's a couple of question marks about the Liverpool defence. I, I myself, as a Liverpool fan. And far more pleased than I thought I would be with uh, Gomez and Fabinho as a centre-back partnership. They look like they're, they're getting on pretty well. They're still learning how each other plays, though. Um, it's good to have Alisson back in goal. But There were a couple of moments in that Sheffield United game where it looked like they were going to get through. Um, overall, again, just in the other guys, I just think Liverpool have got a little bit more quality across the pitch, and I fancy them to just have enough to get over the line against West Ham. Uh, Charlie?
1: I've gone for a 3-2, Liverpool win. I think West Ham have more than enough going forwards to expose some of the Liverpool defensive areas that we've seen so far this season. Uh, but, yeah, ultimately, Liverpool's going forward are always just going to score at least a few. So, uh, yeah, I fancy Liverpool to win that, definitely.
0: OK. Great job.
2: I've gone Liverpool 3, West Ham 1. I think uh, I think it'll be close for a lot of the game, but I fancy a couple of late goals for Liverpool, to be honest. I think, uh yeah. I think three one.
0: Happy with that? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, coming to you next for a tough one to call. Aston Villa hosting Southampton.
1: Yeah, like you said, it's re- it's a really tough one. Uh, but Southampton probably you would argue after today's result, it could be in some good, um, going to be in a good place. But Villa will want to come back fighting after after that, having now lost their uh, unbeaten record, having done so well. Um, I've gone for a Southampton 2-1 win. I think both teams will fancy their chances against the, the other's defence. Villa's defence had, had been really good up until um, the game this weekend when, yeah, I think Leeds got something like 25, 6, 7 shots on them, which is not good at all. So, yeah, and, and someone like Danny Ings, he's going to always take those chances. So, yeah, 2-1 Southampton win for me.
0: Okay, pretty job.
1: I've gone one all. I think. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think it'll be a
2: very boring game, to be honest. I, uh, I think Villa will, will want to get back to winning ways, but I think Danny Ings will will nick a goal, and I think yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a fairly boring one all draw.
0: Okay, interesting. I have also gone one one, but I don't think this is going. This game is going to be boring in any stretch of the imagination. I think this could be one of those hidden gems in game weeks where you get two teams that are in a decent. Decent runner of form um, who could put together quite a, quite a tasty encounter. Um, the way that Southampton set up with that three-five-two flexing into a 5 2 means there's going to be space in front of the back four. When you've got players like Grealish and Barkley for Villa, I think there's going to be opportunities maybe in behind for Ollie Watkins. I think Villa can definitely get a goal. And obviously when you've got players with the quality of... Uh, The quality of Danny Ings up front for Southampton, you can never rule them out for a goal, which is why I backed them this week. But um, I'm going to go 1-1, but I think it's going to be a slightly more entertaining game than than the one uh, you're forecasting, mate. Um, Pritchard coming to you next for Newcastle hosting Everton.
2: I think it's going to be 2-1 to Everton. I don't think they'll be as convincing as they would have been a couple of weeks ago. With I did did originally predict three one to this, but with Dinier out as well, I think I've I've put it down to two one.
0: So yeah. Okay. Uh, I am once again going to buck the trend here and uh, forecast another brave prediction. I'm going to go for a two one home win. I think Newcastle uh, are going to get the points here. Uh, Everton were very poor today. Um, if James Rodriguez is carrying a little nick um, or of some kind of injury or a niggle, should I say? Then uh, I think uh, playing today would not have helped that. Luca Digne is massively important for the way that uh, the way that Everton perform, and uh, he's not going to be there for a few games. Richarlison's still suspended, as far as I understand it. Um, Everton just looked toothless today, and, and unless you've got that supply going into Calvert Lewin. The, uh, the only chance Everton have got is if they can get Rodriguez free of the Newcastle midfield. Um, and Newcastle's shown that they've got goals in them right up to the death. Um, you know they got their, uh, they got their point against uh, against wolves. I, I, I just fancy Newcastle to turn up and every now and again at St James's Park, Newcastle, one of these sides that are not going down this year. They're not going to finish in the top half of the table, but they're just going to get points in random games. And I think this is going to be one of the games where they get points. I'm going for a Newcastle 2-1 win. Uh, Charlie, let's hear from you.
1: Um, so just before mine, I've got well f- for me, unfortunately, news from the Emirates. Uh, Leicester have just gone 1-0 up, 80 minutes okay, in. Right, Jamie Vardy off in. the bench.
0: Jamie Vardy off the bench to give Leicester the lead at the Emirates.
1: Not ideal. Um, but yeah, anyway, getting back to to yeah. something that I don't want to. I don't want to think about that now. Um, <laughs> <I can't> <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, Everton 2-1 I've gone I, I think obviously the, the loss against Southampton's can going to be disappointing and, and like we've said with the sort of some of the key players being out it's going to be tough for them I, I think th- this game against Newcastle they're going to have so much more space than they did against Southampton who as, again as we've said Southampton were always trying to press them and, and, and harry them whereas Newcastle will, I think will do the complete opposite and, and sit back um, so yeah I think that just allows a little bit more room for people like Rodriguez and and you know, anyone else really to just create those balls for uh, Calvert-Learn. So, yeah, and, and I still fancy Newcastle to get a goal. Everton's defence has been pretty awful most of the time. Um, and Pickford, as we've seen so many times, is is, is uh, suspect, to say the least. So, um, yeah, with anyone like Wilson or, or someone like that, they've got some good quality in that Newcastle attack now to to actually go out and get some goals. So, yeah, I think they'll still score, but Everton to win it 2-1. Okay.
0: Uh, What used to be a a huge fixture in English football, maybe maybe sort of faded a little bit in uh, significance over the last couple of years, but shouldn't really be underestimated with the history of these two uh, giants of the top English flight, Manchester United hosting Arsenal. Uh, I think it's my turn to kick things off here. Um, I've gone for a 1-1 draw here. I think uh, this is probably going to play out quite similarly to how the Chelsea-Man United game played out in that Manchester United can ill afford to lose this game. Um, and in all reality, Arsenal could probably ill afford to lose it, Having if they do go on to lose tonight against Leicester, you know, they're 1-0 down at the moment. I, I just think this is going to be a game where you're going to have a big player on each team step up and make something happen. Um, and and I, I don't think it's going to be full of quality. Um, Arsenal, I was really impressed with Thomas Partey in midweek. I think he's going to be critical to any success that uh, Arsenal can have in this game. Um, and Manchester United, it, it just depends which Man United turn up, really, doesn't it? I mean, uh, at home, they, they've had some good win, they've had some good performances, and they've had some terrible performances. Um, but off the basis of what we saw against Chelsea, I think this is going to be a pretty, uh, a pretty tight game, pretty cagey game, and I've gone for a one-one draw. Charlie, over to you next.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I need to say much more because I've gone for the exact same for the exact same reason. So on to you, Richard. Quality. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i have a go on for one all as well yeah i, I
2: agree i agree with you both yeah
0: <laughs> that is sensational gg uh gg on that one there, so a nice one right um <laughs> spurs hosting brighton in uh fixture number eight uh charlie we're coming to you first in this one uh
1: yeah i've gone for a 3-1 spurs win i, I think we're obviously recording before their game tomorrow against Burnley but I don't expect that to be too much of a, a task for them um, and I, I do like Brighton's attack going forward they do look to put in some, at least some threatening uh, moves at least whether or not they can finish them Malpais has been been okay but we'll see so I, I, I defensively Brighton score and yeah I don't know if they've got much of a shot at actually trying to get at least a point from them it'll, it'll be tough seeing how, how well Spurs have performed going forward at least so yeah 3-1 I, I think that's fairly I'm fairly confident with that
0: OK um, sure
2: I've gone for 4-1 I, I, I always fancy Brighton to score I think they play good football but I think in doing that that will leave them really open at the back and I, yeah I think Kane and Son can have some can have some fun against Brighton to be honest so 4-1
0: I've gone for a little bit of a tactical uh, prediction here in terms of picking up points in the scoring method, because I actually I genuinely think that this could be uh, a score draw, um, depending on which Brighton turn up. Um, however, I have predicted a Spurs two-one victory, um, just in case I try and cover off the two-two and pick up a point for correct amount of goals. Um, but uh, I think I've gone for the two-one uh, Spurs win. Spurs should win this game. There's no uh, there's no other two ways about it really. They should win the game. Quite comprehensively, but Brighton have the ability to just rock up and uh, and uh, cause an upset every now and again. So uh, I think it's I think Spurs should win the game. Uh, they could well win the game. Uh, in my in my gut, I want to predict a score draw, but I haven't quite got the minerals to get it down on paper. So uh, I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go two one Spurs, but in my in my in my gut, I think it's gonna be two two.
1: I I'm not sure it. you're allowed to do that. You're, you're basically trying to cover the, team <laughs> uh, the and two and say whichever on paper, way it goes. The two whichever two is way on paper, it goes next week. You're saying. 2 1 you're is two on right? paper.
0: All right. That is that is bank locked in. That is locked in. Um, it's going to be a Brighton, Brighton win now. Got, yeah. If <laughs> it's 2 2, I'm going to be furious. Um, Pritchard, we're coming to you next for what looks like potentially the yep. uh, the squid of the um, of the round. Fulham, West Brom. <laughs> What
2: have you got for yeah. Fulham West Brom, mate? So I've gone for a 0-0 draw. I've, yeah. I've, I've looked at their their clashes in the Championship last year and yeah. uh, it was 0-0 at West Brom and it was 1-0 at Fulham. So they're teams that know each other very well and uh, I think that neither team will want to lose. So I think there'll be very little risk and it, I think it might be a 0-0 draw.
0: OK, fair enough. I, I also had a look at last year's fixtures and considering it was 1-1 at Fulham, I've gone 1-1 at Fulham again this time around. Um, I'm pretty certain whoever loses this game, if someone does lose this game of football, they are done. Um, but uh, particularly, F- particularly Fulham. Um, F- F- Fulham just can't get a win from anywhere. They can't get a win from anywhere. Um, I've gone 1-1. I think it could just be a game where Mitrovic might get a scrappy goal in amongst the box. There's going to be opportunities of a scrappy kind. I wouldn't expect free-flowing football from either of these two. But, you know, there's probably going to be an opportunity or two due to poor defending. So I think, I think I'm think i going to go for a 1-1 here. Uh, Charlie, what are you saying?
1: So, yeah, I agree it's going to be probably the game, if you're going to miss any game, it will probably be this one in terms of what's least likely to be exciting at all. I've gone for a 1-0 Fulham win just because I, I, I can just see maybe someone at 85th minute, 87th mm. minute or something just grabbing a, a, a winner. Um, neither team looking to to do much. I saw an interesting start on Match of the Day actually. Um, talking about Fulham, they have I think they're only behind Sheffield United in the number of passes per goal. It, basically indicating that they're that they're not actually creating firstly enough goals, but secondly they're not actually using their passes very well. They're not yeah. doing much with it. They're just sort of passing around, not actually having that that threat going in forward. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, it, it, it could either be a 0 nil or a one nil. Either way, so I've just gone one nil for them.
0: Okay, cool. Um, to the final game, and and again a nice little lively encounter here. I feel like I'm going to say this every time Leeds play someone this week this season because they they are good to watch so far this year. Um, Leeds host Leicester, and uh, and that's an interesting one for sure. Uh, I've gone for a two one Leeds win in this game, much to the uh, disappointment of. Uh, of Hills, I'm sure, who will sh- shortly remind me of his uh, Leicester allegiance in the uh, in the Twitch chat. Um, I just think Leeds are scoring a-, a lot of goals at the moment, and Leicester are scoring some goals, and when you put that ratio together, you usually end up with one team just scoring more than the other. Um, and off the back of that, I've gone for a 2-1 Leeds win. Um, Charlie? Charlie?
1: I've gone uh, okay. I'm, I'm actually going to change my. Um, it's probably not best to do this, but I'm changing based on the result tonight. I, I think b- before I actually had gone the same. I've gone two one Leeds win, but I think I'm going to change that to a two all now. Okay. Um, seeing seeing Vardy that's can now come off the bench and scored. I I'm pretty certain he'll start start that game, and I think. The type of football Leeds play could really play into his hands and I think he'll have plenty of chances in that game. We've seen it be really end-to-end in most of the Leeds game this season and I think, it, yeah, it could go either way and, and I think I'll stick in the middle of that and go to all.
0: OK. Richard, last prediction of the uh, pod for you, mate. Over to you. Yeah,
1: so...
2: My head's a bit all over the place now because I originally went 2-1 and I also thought I'm going to change it, but I am going to stick. I'm going to go lead to yeah, 2-1 against Leicester.
0: Okay, fine. Right, predictions are locked in. They are saved. They are banked. And uh, we will wait and see what happens then. I think that is us done for another episode on the FPL RTG. I guess all that's really left for me to say is thank you very much to our guests uh, this evening, Charlie. And well, I don't even know if you're a guest anymore, Charlie. You're pretty much just you're just here every week. Like um, that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not.
1: I'm not going to refer Not I'm not
0: going to refer you as a guest anymore. You're in now. You're locked in. uh Pritchard, thank you very much for your time. Um, yeah, thank thanks you much for having me. Not at all. And uh, Charlie, same time next week, I assume, mate. As long as you're uh, as long as you're around.
1: Indeed, of course. Um, just a quick uh, one in the chat. Minted just posted. Just a quick uh, closing thing. Uh, player of the month predictions. Any thoughts? Yeah, when any thought when, the, uh,
0: when is the vote? Is the vote out? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, for me, Harry Kane. For me. Uh, Pritchard, any predictions on player of the month?
2: Um, I think Bamford might be up there, but I think it'll be one of the Spurs boys, either Son or Kane.
0: Son or Kane, good, good, uh, good recovery there. I thought you were going to go for, <laughs> to go for Bamford. No, no, no,
2: he'll
1: be in. He'll be in the nominees, but he won't. You won't win it.
0: Okay, fine. Uh, Charlie, who are you going for?
1: I think I think I'd probably just edge over Kane, but yeah, I'd imagine it's one of them too.
0: Right, we're going to sign out for this week then, guys. Thank you very much for your uh, your support, Charlie and Pritchard, and thank you to everyone who's uh, watched the live recording over on twitch.tv slash footsambo. Uh, if you want to catch up with any previous episodes of the FPLRTG, they're available for you to download and listen or stream through Spotify. Uh, we'll put the link for those uh, in the description to this pod. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday evening uh, where we record uh, live all of the episodes over on the Twitch channel. Uh, until